You're listening to the McKinsey on Insurance podcast. In this series, we discuss trends, disruptions, and strategies that are reshaping the insurance industry. I'm Sylvain Johansson, a senior partner with McKinsey based in Geneva. Joining me today are Olivia Lodwick, a partner based in Sydney. Thank you, Sylvain. Philippe Schaumburg, a partner based in Munich. Hello, thanks for having me. And Christy McNeil, an associate partner in McKinsey's Boston office. Hi, great to be here. Today, we'll discuss the challenges and opportunities of climate change and decarbonization for the insurance industry, with perspectives from across the globe. We believe the transition to decarbonized economies is a transformational time for insurers, and taking an offensive approach is critical for carriers to remain relevant in a net-zero future. Let's start by asking you, Olivia, what are you seeing in Australia or in the Southern Asia region? Well, climate impacts in Asia are expected to be some of the most challenging globally. And carriers in the region have started to take action in response, but certainly progress is in its early stages. We recently surveyed life and PNC insurers across the region to understand the relative maturity of climate strategies in this part of the world. And so what did we learn from this analysis? Well, firstly, shifting public and stakeholder opinions are having an impact. Almost 80% of the respondents from our survey see that the influence of shareholders and boards is a key driver of the disruption that they're seeing on this topic. Secondly, the starting point for most carriers has been their investment portfolios. So assessing exposures, starting to develop plans to transition to net zero portfolios has been a big focus. And thirdly, they're seeing real near-term impacts on profitability. Something like two-thirds of the respondents expected that there would be a material impact from climate risk on their books of business. Lastly, and most challenging, was how prepared carriers felt to respond to climate risk. Only about 20% thought that they had a really robust and adequate view of climate risk and were using quantitative measures to stress test portfolios. So there's this real imbalance between recognizing real challenge and then feeling really prepared to respond. Hey, Christy, let's turn over to you uh, with a perspective from the US and the Americas. If we talk specifically about underwriting, what steps are you seeing leading underwriters take and uh, what more should they do? Underwriters are having to get much more serious about understanding the physical risk in their books and not just using today's cap models to understand present risk but taking a much more forward-looking view uh, based on different climate scenarios to understand what could play out over the next 5, 10, 30 years. Now, the challenge for insurers is that uh, they can renew policies on an annual basis. And so the business that's there today may be something they could address next year or, or the following. But I think where we see the leaders really going is understanding where is our risk uh, five, 10 years from now, and how do we start to steer our portfolio proactively so that we're identifying pockets of opportunity uh, that will sustain the business and then taking a much more granular view in areas that are challenged and that are likely to suffer from major losses and potential lack of affordability. Thanks, Christy. 
And, you know, let's now contrast this, Philip, with you. Um, tell us a bit, what are you seeing among European insurers um, and who's innovating and what, what is being done? Sure. Th thank you, Salvar. I think what we see is a clear shift in sentiment in the boardroom from discussions around what I would call rather the must-haves towards the real business opportunities and sustainability. The initial agenda for many players here in Europe was very much around, you know, creating sector transparency. Uh, where do I basically place my exclusions in the asset and underwriting portfolio? In the last, I would say, six to 12 months, we really see these companies now more engaged, really systematically thinking about how can I basically capture the business opportunities arising? The question is really, um, how can you as an insurer really support this transition and really try to ensure you know, a significant part of this investment in the next five to 10 years that will translate, in our opinion, in, you know, multi-billion dollar premium opportunities for the insurance carriers. Well, that's interesting, Philip. Hey, Christy, do you see the same shift of sentiment in the boardrooms of insurers in the U.S.? Yes, I would say over the last year, year and a half, it's really gone from defense to offense. Uh, from thinking about this as risk or regulatory requirements to really look at underwriting and understand where there's opportunity for new growth areas as part of the transition, as well as just better opportunities to serve customers and, and be more credible in, the, in our current environment. Philip, to support all these investments and the decarbonization of society, so what are the capabilities where carriers need to invest? What do they need to uh, work on? So we typically see, I would say, three areas of you know, core investments. Number one is um, the core point around systematic portfolio transparency. Number two, players are heavily investing in underwriting expertise and data for the segments they really want to get in because it's really about understanding the risk that you are underwriting, really understanding where some of the technologies are going, understanding the operations of these new technologies. And last but not least, I think it's about the entire go-to-market strategy and also how can you play the broader ecosystem. And I think that's, for me, also one of the key success factors going forward for the insurers, how to partner with various parts of the value chain to really create an edge in delivering and underwriting these new and emerging risks from the net zero and the climate transition. Maybe just to echo that, Philip, I think what we're seeing is a recognition that there is a real scarcity of talent within the industry to underwrite these new technologies. And the scale of investment is massive. Traditional risk capital will probably not be able to fulfill all of that demand. And so the carriers and industry players who are really approaching this most proactively are looking at more interesting partnerships. Like you said, MGA structures, facilities, partnering even directly with asset owners or investors, and looking to get a little bit up the value chain as a way to also gain expertise and access to opportunity in areas like solar, wind, but also hydrogen, carbon capture and storage, other newer technologies where they may not have historical expertise to be able to underwrite. Yeah, and what's fascinating, right? While carriers need to continue their going concern, have earnings, have premiums and adapt to the transition of the different subsectors, and that allows them to finance some of these new risks, these new capabilities and helping the transition of the economies and the different sectors. So it's really playing on, to, on two legs. That's also for me and what one of the big 
let me call it obstacles, uh, that I think the insurance industry needs to overcome to capture this opportunity. As we know, the industry is very much you know, comfortable with long claims history, a long understanding of various technologies. And here we are talking about uncharted territory and to really think about your risk appetite, really understand what you need to build up in order to better underwrite these risks. Having also the right mindset to innovate for some of these areas, I think is for me critically important to stay relevant as an industry overall in this whole net zero environment. Yeah, and the real challenge is we hear so many head of underwritings or CEOs tell us, listen, in the end, these are not yet good risks in the actuarial sense. We don't have a loss history. We don't understand the exposure. We shouldn't be doing this. The reason we're here for decades or, or, or more than 100 years is because we've been prudent. And so this is about leadership in the sector, figuring out some areas that are not too far from your risk appetite, deploying underwriting capital in a prudent way, but actually supporting the, the other sectors in the transition. Insurance also has to play its part. And as a final question, I wanted to ask all of you, uh, where do you think insurers have actually the most work to do on sustainability? And maybe we, we start by Olivia with a perspective from Asia. In Asia, it's the life insurers that have been really leading the charge in terms of understanding exposures in their portfolios. And so actually quite a bit of work has been done on the investment side to understand exposures, develop plans for transition. What's missing is probably on the underwriting side, and there's much more work to do there in this part of the world. Thanks, Olivia. And so I'm going to ask you, Christy, the same question. So as the final question, what do you think insurers, where do they have most work to do? I'd say we're seeing a lot of progress, but where insurers have the most work to do is in actually committing to a clear aspiration around climate and then putting the required resources, investment capabilities behind it. So going all in, recognizing the challenges, but understanding that the only way to gain a real foothold is to be incredibly proactive uh, and to really invest resources ahead of demand in a way that perhaps hasn't been done on this scale. But I would say the climate transition really necessitates that. What about you, Philip? Where do you think the carriers have most work to do? I think most of them have progressed very nicely on the investment side. I think it's now really the time to accelerate on the business side. And I think for me, it's really about um, trying to become a real front runner. So in talking to some of the distribution partners and to the clients, they expect the insurers to have um, an edge in how they look at the data, how they look at the risk and how they are able to underwrite. And so I think the players who will be the front runs and who will invest and then have this knowledge will also be able to capture the largest piece of the pie uh, in the future of this whole business opportunity. Thanks, Philip. Yeah, and, and it's true, right? We do see polarization. There, there are some carriers who are, to some extent, a bit free-riding. They wait for regulation. They will let all the sectors decarbonize, and they will benefit from this indirectly. However, we think that playing more on the offense, being proactive, taking action, supporting the transition proactively is what the industry should do, and that's where we think that the winners will be, and it will be a competitive advantage to have good underwriting and investing in this area. And with this, I want to thank you, 
Olivia, Christy, Philip, very much for sharing your perspectives. We had a, a, a true global perspective today. And thanks for the, to the audience for listening to McKinsey on Insurance. Of course, don't forget to subscribe to McKinsey on Insurance wherever you're getting this podcast. <laughs>